0: This message was recorded at Devoted, a Christ-central festival for all the family. To find out more about Devoted, please visit devotedevent.org. For well, church planting seminar. So, if you've come to the right one, yep, you have. No one's getting up and going. No one's shaking their head going, Oh my word, it's too embarrassing to get up and walk out now. What am I going to do? I thought it was spiritual warfare. <laughs> What's this rubbish church planting stuff going on? Anyway, so we are we're talking about here for church planting, and um, myself and um, Joe, who's the one with the reddy blonde hair, as I heard described today, uh, is at the back, and we are part of the uh, we lead the uh, devoted church planting. I think they call them apostolic initiatives. So Joe and I lead that and um, Alan and Sarah are part of that team as well and we've got um, Ed who um, does a lot of our management and administration for church planting in Devoted So that's, uh, and he's amazingly good so if you've got any technical questions he's good as well. Um, So what we're going to do today is what we tend to find in, in a seminar like this is that we've got a large group of people here and all of where you are at will be at different places, although a lot of what your questions you will ask will be the sorts of questions that the other people will wanna know the answer to. So we're gonna try and cut our talking shorter so that we can give time for question and answers. So if you've got a phone or something, you wanna write the questions down as you go along or just remember them then, or even if somebody asks a question, we answer it, and you think, yeah, but what about that? Then ask that question off the back of that. Uh, no question is too small, and uh, we're here to answer your questions. So, that being said, who here is currently part of a church plant?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Preston is. What is
1: that? Yeah.
0: I know you two, don't I? Was, was, Harrogate was. When does it not become a church plant anymore? It's when the people decide. There's nothing in the Bible which really says it's, it starts or finishes. We used to say all sorts of things like you appoint elders and then that that ceases to become a a church plant becomes a church. But the reality of that is it's not a biblical concept. That's uh, a sort of a man-made assumption out of what we see in the Bible about authority passing to the elders, local authority, governmental authority. Um, So um, I know that, so for example, Preston has, uh, which is these two guys, they've got um, elders appointed about uh, a month, two months ago. It whizzes past two months ago, and uh, they are still calling themselves a church plant, and that's fine. That's up to them. So, uh, Alan's the same in Whitehaven. So, we've got Whitehaven's elders there, but he likes to refer to his church as a church plant sometimes, and um, it, that is okay because it's not a biblical formula that says you're this or you're that. It's, there's a great, a massive grey area in the middle. So, um, myself and Joe, who are, uh, so she's, she's sitting at the back now. Um, I hope, and she's going to be sitting chatting to, to Sarah so if they're noisy because they do a lot of chatting together then you're, feel free just to turn around and say uh, excuse me excuse me I think you've had a glass too many pims." <laughs> is the right phraseology that's, that's politeness is this being recorded? Yeah. oh my word
2: <laughs>
0: thank you very much Christ Central this is how church planting is done so, um, I'm hoping that um, Dave Atkinson is going to bleeper that out. If he doesn't, who cares? <laughs> because church planting is a real ordinary sense of life. And both Alan and I have agreed. We came to this in separate... I got on the phone to Alan and said, Alan, I think, I think I'm getting this. And he straight away said, this is in my notes. This is what I've been doing. And that whole sense and the concept of church planting is actually about ordinary people going on mission. And sometimes we get this in our minds that we think, oh, it's got to be a super like Christian or a super Christian leader who's really good at this, or, or the church plant has got to be really radical like this, or they've all got to be in their, in their early 20s because they've got no commitments, they've got no family, and they've got no mortgage, and they can just go up. And all that sort of stuff is actually not true. Actually, church planting is for ordinary people. And church plants are full of people who make church ordinary because actually it's real people who who lead real lives in churches. That being said, although it's ordinary people, we are in a supernatural environment where God is outworking his plans for salvation across this planet. That's what we're doing. And that's how we plant churches, and that's why we plant churches. So myself and Joe, we've got five children, um, of which our oldest is now um, an elder in the Preston church plant. Like and uh, we've got two other, two other the next two, el- next two children are also, or one's in a church plant and one's heading straight for that church plant. And then the next two are still living at home with us, and uh, we don't know where they're going because we don't push our children into doing anything. They do what God calls them, and the first three have gone church planting. You could say it's our influence, but actually, <laughs> no,
1: really
0: Actually, what we actually do, so there's something, so I'm going to be off, I am going to go off piste a lot. So, actually, something that we found with our, with our bringing up of our children is it's not good enough just to bring your children up to love Jesus. You actually need to bring your children up to love Jesus and the people that Jesus loves. So, you bring, you bring your children up to love the bride of Christ, church. And the lost. And you also bring your children up to love Jesus Christ. And if you miss the lost and church, you'll, have ch- you'll bring up children who don't want to go church planting and children who don't want to get involved in church and children who don't like church. So, um, I think that one of the really key things for, for myself and, and Joe is that we've always felt that everybody who is a Christian, is a church planter. So everybody in this room, I know you've come to the church planting seminar, so there must be some interest in your minds or some, something that God has laid on your heart, some sort of uh, trigger that God has po- placed on you. The Spirit is talking to you about church planting in some way. But we would actually, we would actually say that every single person, even all of those other 1,000 600 people on Devoted site are all church planters as well. Because Church planters are either one of two things. They are either goers or stayers. They're people who are sent or they're people who stay in the church. But they are all church planters. Some go and plant the church. The others plant the church by supporting the ones who have been sent out. But everybody, everybody is a church planter. But for you guys, what I'm really hoping is that you're at the coalface, the place where it's really exciting, the place where it's really hard, the place where, it's re- where you're really actually saying, do you know what, I, am, I cannot take one step further unless everything that I do is based on Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit wakes me up in the morning, he picks me up and he, he brings me into doing the next thing to do with this church plant. And that's for everybody in a church plant. It's not just church plant leadership. Everybody who goes church planting will struggle at some point. It is a very difficult thing to do. But God calls us to it. There's this scripture, which is one of my favourites in Ephesians. It's my favourite letter because I'm reading it. If I was reading Romans, that would be my favourite letter. Because I love them all. But this is Ephesians, right? Ephesians 3, 8 to 10. To me... Though I am the very least of all the saints, massive humility from Paul, though I am the least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. To preach to the lost, to preach to the lost the gospel of Jesus Christ is what he's saying here. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is, the plain, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. It's absolute gold dust, this stuff. And this is why we plant Churches. We plant churches to see people saved. So a lot of people have often said, oh, Rob, you're an evangelist. Actually, I'm not an evangelist. I've got a heart to see the lost saved, though. That's what I believe. And I plant churches to see the lost saved. So every one of our churches we build to rely on Christ, to listen to the Spirit, and to see the lost saved. That's the way we construct our church plants. And every single church plant's different. I can't, I've, ne- I didn't, I've never gone to Alan when he's planted his church and said that, Alan, you should model it as like we've done ours. Because every church plant is built according to the people that are in the church plant. Not even just the leader, but the people who are in the church plant. The gifts that, that God gives them to bring to the church plant. The way that he works that community together. The environment that God places them in. The way the Spirit works with them through their community and the lost who circle around that community. It's different in every single place and every single church plant moves and works in a different way. But they're all achieving the same thing, building the bride of Christ, a church where people love each other with the love of Jesus Christ, where they preach the gospel, where people are saved. So we love it. We love church planting. But it's ordinary people. I mean, you get that, that, which has been used so many times now, that phrase, ordinary people leading superna- supernatural lives, which is true. That's what you have to do in church planting. You cannot rely on your own strength because your own strength will not be enough in church planting. It has to be supernatural. So we're always constantly going back to God. God, what are you saying in this situation? What are you doing in this situation? Prayer is one of the key things for us in church planting. So we build and we plant and we plant, and we build, and we build, and we plant. So both Alan and I are thinking where would we plant next? Not as in necessarily us going and planting, but where would our churches send another church plant to? Who would lead those church plants? We look around all the time thinking these things. We're looking for leaders constantly. We're looking at people. People who often get left at the back of church sitting on, the, on their pew because they've, they've not shown any massive dramatic gifting that goes right to the front. But actually, these people are great people in Christ Jesus who could actually be involved in leading church plants. We look for that all the time, always. And there are so many people that just get overlooked in that way. Ordinary people build church plants because Jesus Christ puts them there to build je- uh, church plants. So I've just got a few stories that I just wanted to say of the sorts of things, because Joe jo and I, we've been planting now for, like, and that's all we do is plant now. So we're, only, we're either in plants or planting churches, that's all we do. I just wanted to tell you some of the stories that we've been involved in. I'm just going to run quickly through them, so I'm not going to go through the detail. If, if Joe was here, it would be like half an hour on each story. Every little smile, every little tear, every little step, what the person was wearing, what day it was. God says this. He said that. Then God said this. And then that was that was corrected by God that And all that, which is really great. But so I remember the time when we were planting. I'm not going to try and keep out names. I'm going to drop them in. So. I try and keep off names and places, actually, because places can be traced back as well. Um, I remember when Joe and I, had, as we were at church in a church plant, and we'd, there was, this, there was this two, these two teenagers in our youth work, and they were just coming and going, coming and going, and they were like uh, a bit on the wild side. And we invited them back for Sunday dinner. We liked to invite people back, and we just invited them back, because actually, do you know what? They were, they, we, we saw something in them, so we invited them back. And uh, they sat at our table... And they wouldn't do anything. They just sat there like this. And we were like, and Joe was like, go on then, everyone, tuck in. And it's like 15 people at the dinner table because we always have massive, long, extending tables. And, um, and then they're not doing anything. And I'm like, go on, go on, help yourself, help yourself. Why, why, don't, why don't you want to help yourself? And it, was the, it came to light. It was the first time they'd ever had a meal sitting at a dinner table. And... You know what, you can look at that and think, well, what's the spiritualness in that? But actually that is part of Christ's restoration of those, people, of those two young teenagers. That is Christ taking two young teenagers who are struggling here because of the circumstances they've been born into and then moving them on a journey. One of those teenagers is now part of a church plant that Joe and I are have helped and mentor and, and, and take care of taken from never had a meal at a dinner table to now planting a church. These are the things you encounter. A neighbor of ours who, uh, one of our, we love to have Christmas dinners. On our Christmas dinners, we like to have the lost sitting at our, at our dinner tables, even though all of our family is saved. We like to bring the lost in. We like to bring in people in our church who have got no family to go to. It pains me when in our culture, family at Christmas is the most important thing. So we always look for those who've got no family. And we invite them to our tables. And there was one Christmas when I went across to get a neighbour who, probably unsaved, don't know really. And went to pick her up and she's there in her pyjamas. And I started talking to her. And I'm like, it's like in five minutes. And she's like, I'm ready, I'm ready. So I don't think I could really say anything else because she was in her pyjamas. So I popped her in a wheelchair, wheeled her over to our house. And she sat at our Christmas dinner table in her pyjamas. And that was fine. It was fine because we don't have anything special. We actually, the specialness was her sitting at that table. But that was a church plant. And that's what we do in our church plants. Is we meet the people who are being restored by Christ. We had a nine-year-old boy. And we took him swimming. He was a friend of one of our sons. And we took him swimming. Nine-year-old. He came out of the changing rooms with his swimming trunks over the top of his trousers. Holding him up like this, came out with his swimming trunks over the top of his trousers. And Joe's like, you've got your trousers on? Yes, yes. And your swimming trunks? Yes, yes. <laughs> no, you have to go back. It's just, just you wear your swimming trunks. He'd never been swimming in a swimming pool in his life. It's heartbreaking. Because in a, in a place where the swimming pool is just down the road, you think, you just, you, you just meet people who struggle, and that wasn't the worst ones. We just met people who, we met children who hadn't eaten for three days because their parents hadn't been home for three days. They, was, they were sitting in the dark because cause they, they paid by um, uh, slot, um, tab slot, and once that ran run out, they had no money to pay for anything. They had no food in the house, and they sat for three, for three days in the dark, not eating. And this something, was something that we encountered in church planting on a regular basis. And we just take people on a journey out of that into something which is so shiny in Christ Jesus. Absolutely amazing. We were sitting, we were sitting in our living room one day. No, one night. And it got to about 12 o'clock and we were chatting to one of our friends, um, probably having a, a glass of wine, and this knock came at our door. And we're like, 12 o'clock? Who knocks on our door at 12? And it was all about... so the, the, it, like, took five minutes for the, for the conversation to go on, why, who, at 12 o'clock? And so I went to the door, and it was this young girl, and she was crying. So I quickly called Joe. And uh, it was a, a, a girl who we knew who was looking for a safe place. She was about 18, and her auntie was pushing her to go for, with her first client in prostitution. so that her auntie could feed her habit of drug-taking. And she was desperate not to be dragged into the same place that her mum, her auntie, and other members of her family had been dragged into, to feed drug habits. And do you know what? Sometimes when you're church planting, you get put in places like this, and God gives a place of refuge, which is his place of refuge, not because it's his house and it's a holy house, but because his people live in there. And because his people live in there, they have a heart of Christ who loves those who are struggling, who have got nowhere else to go. But then in church planting, there's, the, there's other stuff that goes on as well. There's the salvations, and we see lots of salvations for our churches. Do you know what? If, if, it, if, it, if we could count the number of salvations that took place in the church plants that since we'd started, we'd be prideful. Because it's been fantastic to see that many. Whereas I know if I was stuck in one church, I would be beholden to how many people that were saved in that one church. But we plant and we look to plant again. We plant again. Each plant is another place where the gospel is being preached. Each place is another place where people are being saved. And that is adding to the kingdom at a phenomenally fast rate compared to all of us sitting in the back of our churches and staying there. The restorations, you've heard some of those already. And some of those restorations have been phenomenal. People who have come to us and even today would say to us, do you know what, if I hadn't been restored, all of my friends I knew at that time are either dead or in jail. But then there are the ones that didn't get restored. Restored. Or they did get restored, but in a way that's not you weren't ready for. So I remember leading someone through to Christ. Two months later, he'd walked straight into a prison, uh, sorry, into a police station and uh, giving himself over, over to the police because of his newfound Christianity, felt that he had to confess his sin, the sins that he'd been involved in, which, of course, I would agree with totally. Went straight into the police station, eight years in, uh, went straight to, straight to jail, eight years in prison for, for the things he did in the past. We didn't even know he was wanted by the police, but he was on the run. But he hadn't said that at the time. once he gave himself to Christ, he wanted to have the whole slate clean and he wanted to pay his dues back to to the world as well. It was just fantastic stuff, but also hard because the restorations might not look the way you thought they were going to be. The healings, amazing healings, MS, cancer. One of my close friends who's had an eyesight condition where his eyesight was closing and closing and closing with black edges around the eye And they said, this is terminal. It never gets cured. You have had it. You will be blind within such and such a period. Today, you can see perfectly. Healed. Went down the front in a church, normal church. Kendall Church, it was. Went down the front on a normal Sunday healing. Got prayed for. Rob, I think my eyes are healed. I'm like, Eric, are you sure? Are you sure? Healed. I don't mind telling that one. Telling his name. He'd be happy if he was here to say it. But do you know what? Every church plant we've been in has been for ordinary people. And Christ called ordinary people to build his church. Right from day one, those 12 disciples were ordinary people. Ed, do you want to come up? 12 people are ordinary people. But at the same time, we actually quite like to train our church planters and let them know what, what, what they're going to experience. So we run, and this is an advert. So click to finish my introduction and go straight to advert mode. We run a church planting course, which is um, cutting-edge technology uh, for Christ Central, and I'll leave it to Ed to explain it and then fill in the gaps afterwards.
2: Yeah, yeah, cutting-edge. So, yeah, we run the Church Planting Academy e-course, for those of you who are interested or even just want to know more about church planting, and essentially... Uh, The way it works is it runs on a Sunday evening and it's the first Sunday evening of every month starting October. And I think we will go for the October launch because I think we've got enough uh, hubs. And on hubs, what we do is we uh, have space for 12 locations uh, where people can either do it as just as a small little group of three or four or they can invite whoever it is they want in, like their church plant. And they can connect with all the other church plants that, or the hubs that are on the course. And we have uh, speakers like Jeremy Simpkins. We've got these two who do speaks, uh, speeches, talks. Uh, we've, got, um, uh, we've got Graham Pyman and a lot of these different people who spend 40 or so minutes doing really, really good teaching about how to church plant, about what church leadership looks like, how to grow church, what is community, and then in the second half, what we do is we have church plants that are already live and operational, and they, they Skype in with us, and they uh, give uh, like a, an analogy or kind of a story of the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, of what's happening in their church plant. We don't, uh, we don't sugarcoat. Anything in church planting? Sometimes it's difficult, and these church plant leaders will tell you the, some of their difficulties. But also, there's obviously really good stuff as well. And the, the beauty of this course is that it's not just—if um, you're not—if you're in this room and you're thinking, "Oh, I'm not ready to church plant for another five, six, seven years or so." Um, the beauty of this course is that there's a lot of leadership lessons in it uh, that you can take to the churches that you're already in. How, like, small group leaders will really benefit from this sort of course. And I. I administrate the course, but I've been on the course. And I, I know that me and my wife, we are involved in leading a small group. And we've really benefited from the teaching that's been on that course as well. Uh, how to grow community, how to show people um, ordinary, how to be ordinary people with ordinary people and build them into something that is extraordinary. Um, so I really would recommend this. If you kind of want to know more, there are flyers that are going to be at the back. And I've also got some on me. And equally, even if you're just interested, we also have a monthly, can I plug this, a monthly newsletter? We do a monthly newsletter as well. We'll be doing a regular newsletter, at the very least, starting in October. So I'd love to get some of your details, sign you up to that as well. But please come and see me at the end if you want to know more.
0: Thanks very much, Ed. So you come to Devoted, you watch Jeremy up on the stage and he does a preach and you go home. You come, if, you, if you go on our e-course, he will speak into your house with, uh, with a talk, and then you get to ask him anything you want. And he doesn't have to be about his talk either. <laughs> anything, anything personal, ask him. We're really happy for that. And he's ready for it, so it's good. Okay, so I'm going to hand over to Alan now, who's going to be, do a bit more technical stuff on church planting and some more, experience, more of his experiences. So, Alan, over to you. So we're planting churches on plenty... I've <laughs> had
1: too much pins. <laughs> Planting churches with pouring plenty of pims. There you go. Oh, my goodness. That was a mistake, wasn't it? I was really thirsty. Anyway, so my name's Alan. You're definitely going to scrub that bit off the tape. Um, So my name's Alan. Um, I'm from a place called Whitehaven, which is right up on the northwest coast of of Cumbria. Uh, I was born there, raised there, uh, moved away for a a few years, lived uh, in a few different places, and then God called myself and my wife. Back uh, back home, really, to to plant a church in my hometown. So we've been there for about five and a half, actually, a bit longer. But the church has been going for about five and a half years now. So, without further ado, we'll just crack on. Um, I, I think what inspires me about church planting uh, is the fact that actually it is about ordinary people. <laughs> we could put extraordinary uh, churches, uh, ordinary people who plant extraordinary churches, but. Actually, it's ordinary people who do really strange, weird things, because actually, I think in, in our churches, in Christianity in general, we can get quite comfortable, we can get quite safe in our church settings. You know, when we mention church planting, it's where everyone kind of then kind of ducks and dives under the seat, and of course, we're going to have worship now, and uh, if you'd like to stand, and <laughs> You know, stay with me, Fred. Anyway, so um, So, yeah, so so church planting can be, like, a really, really, like, an interesting response from lots of different people. Excuse me. So, this story, there's a guy in America, I love this story, um, because it's a crazy story, but it really actually inspires me when I think about church planting. There's a guy called Larry Walters, he's an American guy. And uh, he woke up one morning, he'd always dreamed of being a pilot, like an, air, an, air, an airline pilot. And uh, he woke up one morning with this crazy idea that he just wanted to strap himself into his lawn chair, pop down to the local army surplus store, buy a load of like big, hot, you know, the kind of big helium filled balloons. They were huge. Uh, he bought about eight or, not, or ten balloons, attached it to his chair Obviously, he had some water bottles there as well, you know, different kind of weights and stuff. But attached himself to this chair, he made himself a peanut butter and jam sandwich. He had a, a six-pack of beer. He had his spectacles. And he sat down with his helium-filled balloons now attached to his chair and uh, cut the rope. Off he went up. Just wanted to get a, a, a different perspective about his, from his neighbourhood. He was like... I always wanted to fly, so and actually I've always wanted to see my neighbourhood from on high. So he got up, carried on, and it's all, it's all on YouTube. It's, it's definitely worth a listen to. Sorry, I'm really being put off. <laughs> um, so what happened was he, he ended up kind of moving up higher and higher. He only expected to get like a few hundred feet up before then he kind of was going to start cutting off these water bottles and, you know, sort of dropping down. And Popping some of the balloons, rather, and uh, anyway, so he gets to this point where he 's getting higher and he 's getting higher, and on this video clip he 's got his wife down down on the on the ground with a walkie talkie going you 've just dropped your spectacles and he 's like it 's okay i 've got another set like like he 's like you know five thousand feet in the air at this point, and all she 's worried about is his spectacles, but anyway, so he 's getting higher and he 's getting higher and he 's getting higher. Do you know what? He reached. 15,000 feet in the air 15,000 feet in the air to the point where there were two aeroplanes flying around lax airport who were like saw something on their radar and going well it's not a plane because it's too small it's like in fact it's really small what is it and anyway what happened was they uh they ended up closing lax airport for a, for a few hours it caused massive disruptions um, his wife at this point in tears shedding tears you know shouting on the walkie-talkie, get down, you idiot, what are you doing? And uh, too frightened at this point to shoot any of the balloons down, he's basically just going up and up and up and up. He finally gets the courage to shoot a few down and he then lands somewhere randomly in LA. And obviously the media get on board with this, the, the helicopters are all flying around, getting this, picking up the story of this, uh, of this, uh, this crazy guy in the air. But soon after he was uh, grounded, uh, he was cited by the police, obviously, for causing all this disruption. But he was completely surrounded by these reporters. And the reporters asked him three questions. He said, the first one, were you scared? He went, absolutely, yes. He went, they said, would you do it again? He said, nope. And they said, why did you do it? Which is the third question. And he said, because you can't just sit there and do nothing. And you're like... When I think of church planting, number one, were you scared? Absolutely. Would you do it again? Mm, at this point, maybe yes, maybe no. Um, believe passionately in it, mind you. Uh, but why did we do it? Actually, got to the point for us where actually as a couple, even as uh, many people in our church at the time uh, in Cockermouth, a few people were starting to live with a sense of, you know, we need. there's communities where we live that the church... Generally, the wider church, there, it is dwindling, dying, and there's, no, there's, there's hardly any Christians. Plenty of church buildings, but half a dozen people um, in these church buildings. And we got to the point where we felt God speak to us, and our response was, you know what? We can't just sit here. We can't just sit here and do nothing. So as Rob's already said, church planting in the New Testament as well is all full of ordinary people who just couldn't sit there and do nothing. It's about ordinary people who knew from their own personal experience of Jesus that they had to do something that made the others respond. Wives like my wife, she was like, Alan, no, no way we're doing this. Get down from that idea, get down. And uh, no, plenty of other church planters, wives and husbands, who kind of have that kind of response. But actually, Jesus himself says... Uh, in scripture that he says look we're called all of us as Christians to go and make disciples and often we can like landlock that thinking into a bit of an individual response so as individuals we've just got to go and make disciples which obviously is true but it's a community response we need to be community that make a discipleship of community too I'm really sorry about this by the way are you okay is it yeah is alright okay So my challenge for us in this seminar, like we would say to other churches, in fact the church where I was an elder in Cockermouth, we kind of asked this question first as elders, but also to the church. And that was, do we have the luxury of saying no to what Jesus calls us to? If Jesus came and died on a cross, we hear the gospel so many times, don't we? And we can't just let the gospel and the basics of the gospel Go over our heads because actually the gospel is central to why we plant churches. And we don't have the luxury of saying no to Jesus. When he saved us, called us, Rob's already said it, to our amazing purpose and amazing calling to be involved in, in actually establishing his church on earth, whether that's somewhere local, whether that's another nation. Um, we just don't have the privilege, I don't think. And actually, my wife, um, I felt God speak to me about planting. Uh, into Whitehaven I felt it we speak really clearly he said Alan will you go home will you go back to your hometown and plant a church for Sarah it was more like do you know what we can't just sit here and do nothing it was just a different kind of calling different response different reaction so I think saving the lost and making disciples is not this individual pursuit the New Testament is filled with corporate verses about how we love how we care how we reach how we grow in the good of the gospel together just planting is all about that. Uh, Paul is really clear in 1 Corinthians 9, where he says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, i become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I am myself not under the law, as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law. As to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all people, so that all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel. No other reason. For the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. I love Paul's heart here. And actually later in one, in 1 Corinthians 11, he then says, so church, be imitators of me, just as I also imitate Christ. So what Paul's saying there, we could say, yeah, well that was for Paul, that was for the special apostle. You know, the great apostle, if you want to call it, other than Jesus that is. You know, the next second best apostle. Um, it's just for him, he was talking about himself, this is his heart, his desire. But literally two chapters on, he's saying, and he does this to all the churches. It's like, look, imitate, imitate me as I'm in it, imitating Christ. So, Paul's heart is that like he's trying to get the church on board with look, we're here to win people, and actually, as many or as old as we can, like the stories Rob talked about, about winning his neighbors and, his, and, and those around him in order to save some. And I think this is certainly my heart and my passion for church planting. Um, but, Paul's passion. was really, really clear that his heart was to win as many as possible in order to see some saved. Are you still with me? Because I'm happy to kind of, yeah, okay. So I just want to kind of sort of finish in a second by, uh, by the way, if my my wife was talking, she'd be more like Rob. She would have just said it in five minutes. Um, I'm a bit more like Joe, but that's okay, yeah. Okay, so let me just, as Rob has already said, church planting is not just for apostles, it's not just for elders, it's not for those people who we might think are crazy evangelists. In fact, as we've planted a church... We've needed every single gift that Jesus, that the Holy Spirit gives to his church. We've needed older people, we've needed younger people, we've needed people in between, we've needed pastoral people, we've needed gifts of helps and gifts of serving, you name it, we've needed it. Sometimes again we, yeah, you know, let's get this guy over here because he's a great prophet and I'm not saying we don't have prophets and, you know, great evangelists, I'm not saying that we don't have evangelists, but you know what, they're a a shed load of giftings in scripture that we need together in order to plant really good, loving churches. So what's Paul passionate for? We know, we've just said it, about winning and seeing people saved. Um, I love what Acts 1.8. Again, it kind of is, is, is another commission of Jesus. It kind of flows out of Matthew 28, 28. And he says, you know, you're going to be my witnesses, firstly, to Jerusalem. And I think often we can skip... Our Jerusalem, so I've, I've said before that, you know we, we were called back to, to actually start a church in my hometown. I grew up there, spent like 20, 25, 24 years growing up in a church, so that was quite interesting, going to start a new one, and all my old Christian friends saying, well, what's the matter with our church? It's like, nothing's the matter with your church. And actually, what we did in the end, we kind of looked at all the churches in Whitehaven, some of the buildings that were empty, some of the churches that existed, and actually, to my fright and shock... And the answer I gave a lot of ministers and people who asked that question, why can't you just come and be part of another church? And I said, if we get all these churches filled with people, you know, we're talking about a town of, with, with an area of around about 40,000 people, we're literally going to fill 1,200 ch- like spaces in churches. That's it. It's like 40,000 people plus other towns, plus other towns, plus other towns... You know, it's not a big place, you know, compared to cities and other areas in the UK. But for us in Cumbria, we're living quite a significant place where we have access of like up to about 100,000 people that will do church. They'll travel, you know, and connect into different places. So we were kind of like, we, 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 for, for me going back there, it was like, you know, Alan, you've got to go back to Jerusalem. You've you got you to go back to that kind of heartbeat again. Because growing up, I was, I was a terrible Christian. I made a lot of mistakes. Um, I got plenty of nicknames, uh, uh, quite a big reputation of uh, not being very good with the ladies and all the rest of it. So, uh, so going back there, memories, all the things that I'd done wrong, all that kind of stuff, they were really big things. And um, I, kind of, I kind of look into Acts 1-8 and I think how the, the disciples would have felt when Jesus said, so you've got a first call from Jerusalem. And when we think of the disciples in Jerusalem, we're talking about a bunch of people who were afraid. We are talking about a bunch of guys who had rejected Jesus, ignored him, you know, who had, you know, hid away in fear, you know, they'd abandoned Jesus. You know, they, they were guys that, you know, they weren't, I mean, they weren't even ordinary. They were worse than ordinary. <laughs> they were actually tremendous failures. And I think one of the things that shocked me growing, uh, when God called us to plant this church, it was my first response. I said, I can't do that, Lord. You know what I've done in my life, you know, I'm an absolute failure. And and he's like, response of grace and mercy and constant talking to me. Um, I mean, it went on for a good few years to convince me, to be honest. He said, yeah, you are, but my gospel's bigger than that. I'm bigger than that. You need to see the changes I've done in your lives and then help others see the same thing. See Jesus for who he is. To see me for who I am. And... um, and, and see people changed. So to be honest, we've kind of planted grace with that kind of vision of wanting to win actually everybody we possibly can in order to see some saved. And like Robert said, we've, uh, we've got some great stories. I'm just going to share a couple just before we finish. Um, actually, we've got some guys sitting sitting in the seminar now actually where, where, again, if we hadn't planted this church, they wouldn't be here. They wouldn't be part of us together as Christ Central Churches. They wouldn't be part of our region. They wouldn't be part of Grace Church. And, uh, and I, you're looking at people that are on a, you know, they're, they're on a spirit, some are on a spiritual journey. There was one lady, she was on a spiritual journey, uh, got caught up in the Je- uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. We kind of know what that, can ha- what that can do to people. It gets, traps people in law, traps people in guilt and condemnation. And um, I think the family kind of obviously got really concerned, you know, they finally kind of got her out of the, of the mix there. And then she came across our website and came to, came to Grace Church one Sunday. And, uh, the, the, and loved it she said I feel so welcome here and then told me but my mum's coming next week because she's going to make sure you're not a cult and my mum grew up as a Catholic um, a very you know kind of regular attend- you know you're born Catholic aren't you so you're kind of you're in there you're part, you're part of it and she came to check us out really and kind of give me probably, probably a little bit of a mouthful as West Cumbrians kind of like to do from time to time they like to say how it is and uh, so she came, to, she came to, to the church meeting this Sunday morning, and then she went, I love it here. I absolutely love it. And then the week after, uh, they came back. And then the week after that, they came back. And literally three weeks after mum was coming to the church, she came up and she went, do you do funerals? <laughs> and I went, oh. But you've only just arrived. (laughs) Oh, please don't give me bad news. You know, we love you to bits. And she was like, no, 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 no. You you don't get it. I'm now excommunicated from the church that I've been part of all my life, that my family's been part of all their life. And he goes back and he goes back and he goes back. If I die, I need to know that I've got a family who will do my funeral. I was like, oh didn't oh where's that one in the in the in the man- oh the, the pamphlet church planting pamphlet questions what well, questions you get asked when you church plant. You know, I've had my hairdresser got saved. It's like I mean I I like I'm kinda, yeah, alright, I use just for men. Alright, I'm just gonna admit it. But anyway, I'm losing my hair. But the one literally it's just gonna be the quick version. I I went to go to the place I used to always get my hair cut as a kid in the in the town that I grew up in. Literally, as I walked through, went to walk through the door, I felt God say, don't go in, go somewhere else. I was like, oh, come on, I'm just going for my haircut. You know, I'm not a super spiritual guy in any way, shape or form. So I'm like, no, I'm just going to go in. But literally, I just felt like I, just, like I couldn't like go in. You know, God was stopping me from doing it. Anyway, I did about three laps of the town. We have in Whitehaven, it's famous for hairdressers and pubs. So, uh, pub, hairdresser, pub, hairdresser, pub, hairdresser's. So literally, I went round the town like three times, and then I kind of just felt led up one road, and I saw these hairdressers uh, there, and I just felt God say, right, go there. Go for my haircut." cut, the long story short, get chatting with the, with the lady. Next few weeks later, she starts coming along to the church, because her family had actually been waiting for Grace Church to start. They'd heard it in the old Christian rumour circle, and uh, they had joined us. Their daughter then joined us. We had... Sp- Five generations of this one family in our church plant on launch day. And we had the privilege of seeing my hairdresser saved. We had her daughter saved, but actually, you know, another Christ Central Church, uh, New Frontiers Church. And her 86-year-old grandma uh, saved. And we baptized the whole lot of them about a year later. And for me, that's what church planting is all about. Winning people, seeing people saved. And we should not get bored of it. We really shouldn't. We shouldn't go, oh, yeah, but, you know, it's a fad, it's a phase that we're all going to go through. Look, you might have heard all this stuff before that me and Rob have said about seeing people saved, that we've got to have a heart for the lost. Maybe it's because that's what the Bible says and there's nothing else to say on the matter. We've just got to keep constantly bringing it, okay? It's
0: great. Obviously, the, the most important bit of information we've just, on both, information... Check out this one. Most important information there for me is the fact that Alan has now finally, finally admitted that he uses uh, just for men. Oh no, it wasn't. That is true because I've noticed it dribbling a bit when it rains. Um, So, uh, so. Filter, it's filter. really hard if people say what is the theology behind church planting or is even church planting in the bible well the word church planting is not in the bible but the the whole sense of what it is is in the bible that's exactly how paul built the bride of christ he would go and plant churches plant churches, plant churches and that is never going to stop and it never should stop but the theology behind it is just the same as normal church it's the same theology The same things that we do in church planting are the same as we would do in a normal church. It's exactly the same. Nothing changes. Communion, baptism, evangelism, community, it's always the same. It's just that the way that we sometimes approach it can be different, but the theology is the same. So um, I want to open up for questions now. Um, Yeah. Um, I don't know if Joe Joe and uh, Sarah want to come down. Oh, yes. Well, we can, bring, we can take the mic too, Sarah. So has anyone got any questions? At, now, it hasn't got to be about anything we've said. It might be, how do you know we, when to go church planting? How do we know what where to go? How do we know? It could be anything you want. Has anyone got any questions about church planting? So the question is, uh, how do we pursue um, uh, Unity in churches when we are planting into a new town or city.
1: So the first, it was the very first thing. cheers. So one of the first things. Oh, there we go. Okay. So one of the, one of the first things we did was well, the process went like this. I thought God speak to me. God then I had to wait a couple of years for God to speak to my wife. And then we brought that then to, like, the apostolic team. But actually, these two guys, like, for years and years were involved in in shaping us and helping us as well uh, to get ready for church planting. Um, We then shared it as elders. Then once we shared it with elders, we shared it with the church. And at that point, as we were sharing it with with the church, we sent letters to every church in in the town uh, just saying who we were. I mean, most people kind of knew King's Church you know unless there were kind of a little bit way out of of touch with, with with churches in the area, and we just expressed our hearts, said who we were what we're, you know were passionate for 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 the gospel, wanting to make disciples wanting to to uh, have, have another church in the area that would be part of what the the churches in the area were doing as well, and then we arranged to meet up um, some leaders didn't get in touch, they weren't bothered, and, and, and actually, and then actually there was a leadership forum that we're meeting quite regularly, and invited myself and one of the other apostolic guys to come in, and we had a great time with them, they prayed for us, they were really open with us, and again, since then, I mean, I, I tend to just, I try to keep unity with the with the wider body through a relationship, it's just, and I'm, there's no right way or wrong way, I think it just depends on on where you want to put the value on stuff, but... For me, I'm not going to open my church up to other people if they're not willing to have a coffee with me. And that
0: generally goes
1: across as well.
0: So um, when we've ever planted into towns or cities, we've always gone to visit the churches. So we arrange to visit them and then we go and meet with the leaders and we talk to them about church planting. And um, sometimes that's met with success and sometimes that's met with not so much success, so I've had all sorts of things uh, said to me. Are you, so one of the classic questions is, are you going to steal our people? Yeah, it is. Um, and it's a really sad view of church planting that the view of people outside of this, and maybe it's not, all, it's not all people, so there'll be church planting groups that feel the same as us, is that actually our primary aim is to see people saved. But sometimes people will come from other churches because they might have been sitting in, say, a, a Catholic church or CV e church, and they're looking for a charismatic church to start up, but they've not had one in their town. But then as soon as one does, they, they come over to that. And we want to give them a home, so we're not going to say no, but what we do say to them is go and speak to your church leaders because we actually have good relationships and we're trying to build friendships. So I think our, my, our aim has been, I think uh, Alan's aim, is to build genuine friendships with people, uh, with other church leaders. Um, and sometimes that works, sometimes they're not happy. Yeah.
1: I think one of the other challenges about particularly the early days of church planting is... It's not working. Um, little bit, little bit. There you go. Uh, one of the other challenges of... of cause, so I think it's about carrying... I think as, as a church plant leader as well, I think carrying that, that big heart for unity. I mean, I would say as a region of Christ Central Churches, we have a strong region. They're my churches together, just like you know, the, the Anglicans have their churches together. But at the same time, we, wanna, we do want to express the unity in the, of the body of Christ as well. But I think when you're first planting, it's very difficult to do that when you've maybe got like 12 people on the ground and then you're then being asked to get involved with X, Y and Z when you're trying to establish your own community, reaching out to non-Christians and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's a process and it's, for me, I just took some personal involvement with with the ministers and the vicars and said, look, let's hook up for a coffee and we started that kind of process there and whatever develops from that, you know, in terms of wider stuff, doing things together, comes out of that.
0: Any other questions? Okay, let me, just start, let me just leave you with this then. So you might be thinking, I want to leave you with where are you, where, where are you now? And you might be thinking, I'm not really sure. Alan brought that up in his talk. Well, you might not be sure about whether you're going church planting or not. Or you might be thinking this might be years to go, come. Or you might have just come here just to hear what's out of interest, vaguely what's going on. And uh, if you want to know where churches should being planted, then, then hang around because um, Ed uh, has, been, uh, has got a database of church planting in, in, uh, in Christ Central. Joe and I had no intention of going church planting, and we were put on a church planting course with, by our elders who thought that we'd do the course, go home, and that would be it. Actually, God spoke to us during that course and then sent us church planting, and here we are now leading up um, church planting for a church. A sphere a, a new frontier sphere it might happen the same for you so one of the things i would recommend is if you want to suck it and see it try the e-course that ed advertised that is worth going on you don't even have to leave the comfort of your own home you just sit in your armchair watch it and if you haven't got any questions you just let it go by and we're really happy with that but it's a way of finding out actually is church planting really for me